In this special podcast episode, we're going to take you from being a goal setter to a goal achiever. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, first and foremost, Happy New Year. How are you doing all? I am recording this uh, intro. The um, episode you're about to hear was recorded a little while ago. It was recorded about a year ago now. Um, But you're in for a very, very special surprise. But I'm recording this intro on New Year's Eve. Um, So first and foremost, in in a few hours, everybody, Happy New Year. Hope you had yourself a wonderful 2023 and 2024 you're ready to just kick some backside. All right, gang. So a couple things before we really dive into it. I'm going to keep this one tight. Um, You know, how cliche we're about to talk about some goal setting, but we're going to talk about, you know, it's like January setting goals. Like, like, can you get any more cliche than that? Like, like, to be honest, but this is the time of year that majority of you will be setting your goals, will be setting your intentions for the new year. You will be setting aside your plans and what you want to accomplish and, you know, what, you know, the habits and all that kind of stuff that you want to do. So I'm going to take a little bit of a different take on goal setting this one as well. This was recorded uh, a year ago and I asked um, one of my coaching clients and one of my, one of our community members, uh, Michael Bug, who you've heard multiple times on this podcast episode before to come in and deliver this uh, presentation. And he had such a wonderful take on on things as, you know, the title of the presentation was Why Smart Goals Are Stupid, exclamation point. And I thought it was a wonderful take on that. And he he looks at goal setting completely different than I do, which is totally awesome. Like I, after this presentation, I took some wonderful takeaways myself from this. Like I'm, I'm relentless on how I help my coaching clients and help people get extremely clear on their goals, get extremely clear on the deliverables, get extremely clear right down to on a daily basis on what you need to do. Mike took a different approach and it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed listening to um, his presentation and his take on, on goal setting. And, but here's the, the message I want to get to you is um, when it comes to the results, when it comes to the goals that you want to uh, uh, accomplish, it's not um, that there's only one way. There's not, you know, there's, there's multiple ways of getting there. Like there's, you can take a car to your destination. You can take a helicopter. You can potentially, if you, if you have a right route, you can take a boat or snowmobile or whatever. There's multiple different paths to get to the destination you want to go. So that's the point I'm trying to get here. And we went really deep into, um, you know, talking about goal setting. You know, we talked an awful lot about, you know, creating that sense of urgency and getting that giddy up more in your life. And here's some of the things in detail that Mike went into is we talked about why smart goals are stupid and potentially dangerous. The framework of setting some real goals that you will actually move the needle in your life, not just some mamby-pamby goals, but some just real tangible meaty goals that you can just really sink your teeth into. He also shared the VET framework, the V-E-T framework, which stands for vision, environment, and tactics. And he also shared seven tactics to help you deliver the goal because everybody can set a goal. It's the delivery and the accomplishment of the goal is the most important. We'll get right into this here in a second. But before we do, I just wanted to just offer you a huge thank you. If you're listening to this podcast or you've listened to many episodes or you've re-listened to episodes or maybe this is the first, you know, 30 seconds, two minutes of an episode that you've listened to, I just want to thank you. I, I don't take it lightly that you're spending some time and you're making an investment and you're making a commitment to listen to these words that are coming out of my mouth and the content that I'm producing on this legacy project of this podcast. And I just wanted to just acknowledge that. I wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you for all your support and thank you for all the um, notes and the feedback and sharing of the show. That is just truly like rocket fuel to help us at the team here to just continue moving forward. And we too have big giant goals coming up for the new year. And I just wanted to just 
thank you. And our goals are in service of you. If you are interested in more information, more depth, if you're interested in getting a little bit more, you know, nuance and a little more clarity and a little more courage and a little more of all that stuff. If you're interested in more, why don't we just put that? If you're interested in more, just send us a quick note of what you'd like to see a little bit more of. And you can easily reach out to the team at hello at russellwestcott.com and uh, just share some feedback. Would uh, greatly appreciate if you could do that and we'll continue to deliver more. All right, gang, with all that being said, make sure you stick around right to the very end. This is a very deep episode that we go into a lot of nuance here and you're going to thoroughly love this episode. All right. So if you're interested in learning why smart goals are stupid, please help me welcome Mr. Michael Bug. Michael Bug, how are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Russell. I'm doing well. Yeah. Great to be back. Great to be chatting with you. Yes, we uh, we have an entire contingent of people from Saskatchewan on the call tonight here, so it's it's good. We've got we've got the the heartland of the country on on, on a Zoom call here tonight, and and uh, you and I've been chatting back and forth about this presentation for for a while now, right? I've uh, I've been um, looking very much forward to this conversation um, because, and, and one of the reasons why I asked you to deliver this presentation in January to our group is because you're one of the most um, uh, relentless goal setters, habit builders, habit trackers, um, get, you know, pardon my language here for one second, you know, get shit done, right? That um, That is why I asked you to, to deliver this. And I think you also have a very unique perspective on this as well. So, So everybody, if you have the chat box open and things like that and all that good stuff, this please help welcome Mr. Michael Bug. Michael, good to see you, my friend. Well, thanks, Russell. And I'm I'm laughing here in preparation for this. I I did a presentation, I think it was in 2021, to a different group on goal setting. So I thought, oh, I better re-listen to that to get all prepped for this. Listen to it. And I was like, what the hell was I thinking? Like I've changed so much of my stuff in the last, you know, year. And it's that just speaks to what it is. It's you're always evolving. The process is always changing. So yep. I'm excited to share with you the 2023 version and then we'll we'll go from there nice okay well if you get a moment there mike if you can fire up your powerpoint i know you have a, a, a short powerpoint presentation deck there sorry i didn't mean to make that as a joke or anything but all right hang on hang on oh, oh hang on oh oh sorry that's, that's about as as good as my jokes that i that i have uh, as well so so, Michael, you, uh, you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of be in the background, kind of here, listening in. Mm-hmm. I got a, you know, a nice tall glass of water, and I want to make sure that uh, everything is just uh, going well, and I want to make sure that uh, that uh, you're just kicking butt. But I know you're going to, so please take it away, my friend. Okay. Well, we'll get rolling here, and. I mean, I'll try to keep it on time here. I do have a bit of a presentation. Chime in at any time. I, I love going on tangents. Um, but yeah, so going with here a little bit of a, a smart ass theme, smart goals are stupid. Um, and I'm hoping to kind of turn that on, on its head and give everyone a different sort of perspective on goal setting. Um, you know, and this is just my perspective coming, coming from, you know, as I said, t- different versions of goal setting. So in the next hour, what I'm hoping to share with everyone, and we'll try and condense that down, but why smart goals are stupid. In my opinion, they're limiting, they're fear-based, they're intellectual, they're outcome-based. I want to share with everyone my VET framework. So for those that don't know me, I am a veterinarian by training, uh, a 10-year-plus real estate veteran, and my VET framework is simply vision, environment, and tactics, right? And especially, we're going to spend some time on that environment because that was my biggest learning in 2022. Environment is your cheat code to reaching your goals. And then we're going to wrap that up with seven tactics that will help you deliver on your goals. Because without those tactics, without actually doing the work, your vision and all that, that's kind of just a wish. So where did things start? This handsome fellow looking at you there, pretty rough picture, miserable Mike. Miserable Mike, I don't know if I, if I qualify as an expert on the topic of goal setting, but I can tell you right that, that that guy right there looking at you, he has achieved a lot of goals that other people set for him. 
right? And I'm not saying that to say, to come across as a victim. I just simply didn't know better, right? All of the, all the external stuff, everyone telling me, you know, you should try this, you should do that. Okay, I'll go do it. But I was never really doing it for myself. You know, and it didn't make me happy. And consequently, somewhere in there, around the time I remember me and Russell had met then, I would say, and Rosalie, you know, coined me with this moniker, I was miserable Mike. Bronnie Ware is a palliative nurse out of Australia. And she wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And this right here, this is not the fifth regret. It's not the fourth or the third or the second. This is the number one regret of dying people in palliative care. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And even when I say that, I've read that quote many, many times. That one hits me like a ton of bricks. And so my only intention here today and the time we have in this presentation that we're, you know, I'm giving to you, everyone on this call, anyone that ever watches this replay, my only intention is that none of us experience this regret. I really, I can't, I can't think of many more things that would weigh more than that or be heavier than that. So, you know, I've spent hundreds of hours kind of studying this, this framework. Um, and I want to share that with you. So as I mentioned, vet vision, I mean, we've all heard of this crafting a vision, the T here, it has to be your unique vision with a burning desire. That was the part I had been missing for a long time. We got wrong. It wasn't mine. It was other people's environment often overlooked. We're going to dive into that. As I said, it's the cheat code and tactics. You got to take action. That's where the rubber meets the road. When we get into vision, there's one rule. There's only one rule here. The most dangerous three-letter word in goal setting. Any, any guesses, Russell, what this word might be? And you don't, you don't even have the bet. I didn't send this to you, so you're flying blind here. But putting you on the spot, no one is allowed to say this in this first section. How? That's the most dangerous word in goal setting, right? That's the first thing we're going to jump to. Oh, how am I going to do that? How am I going to accomplish that? How is banned for the next 15 or so minutes? You have my permission, Russell, to uh, boot anyone off this call that even whispers that word. Yep. So for now, what we're doing is I am going to hand everyone Aladdin's lamp. So you have Aladdin's lamp, you can rub it, and any of your burning desires are going to come out of that. Money is no object. You cannot fail. Whatever you have a burning desire for will come out of that lamp. And where, where would that take you? This is why I think smart goals are stupid. So under the smart goals framework, number one, they need to be specific. Well, what about if there's something better out there, right? It would be really specific of me to say, I want to make $100,000 a year. And what if an amazing real estate deal comes along and I make 250,000, right? Is that not better? Like why, why would I cap myself? All of these specific goals, I want to live to 100. What about if I'm, I'm 99 years old and I'm in great health and I'm chugging along and I hit hundred? It's like, you don't want to live to 101. I feel like on a high level picture, specific goals are very limiting. They cap where we're going to see, right? And I don't like that. Measurable. Russell, can you measure this for me? Um, the only measurement you'd probably be able to do is how many heartstrings she tugs on. Yeah. Uh, and so for, for those of you, I know this picture means more to me than everyone else on this call. It's a picture of my daughter, Riley, with a huge smile on her face. You can't measure that, right? That's immeasurable. I don't, I don't know how we would even begin to measure that. And we all have people in our life like that. Attainable, I will give smart goals this one. You do have to have a belief that it is possible. Relevant slash realistic. I've heard it said both ways, time bound. The realistic piece really bugs me. I sure hope not. I sure hope you are not setting realistic goals. This is the other little human in my life. This little man entered our world in October. Is it realistic for him to walk by the end of this month? No. Is it realistic for him to walk five years from now? Yes. So with babies, we are willing to accept transformation, right? We watch them transform in front of our eyes. We know five years from now, he will be a totally different person, totally different. And we expect that. But for some reason, as we move into adulthood, we stop believing that, right? We stop believing that the 32-year-old me can't transform by the time I'm 37, right? The 55-year-old me 
won't be much different than the 50-year-old me, right? So why do we stop believing that? I, I honestly don't know. Your goals should be unrealistic to the person when you're setting them because you will be a totally different person when you realize them. So for that reason, I'm not a big fan of setting smart goals. The greatest danger, to, in my opinion, in goal setting, it's not that we fail, far from it, is that we set the target so low that we actually hit it. That would be the worst, worst outcome for goal setting. So if I was to tell everyone on this call, we're going to set smart goals. They need to be extremely specific. I have to be able to measure them in a very certain way. You have to place an expiration date on them, and I will be checking in on you. What is everyone going to do? They're going to lower the target, right? Mike's going to check in. I don't want to miss this goal. Lower it. Don't want to fail, right? That's why I don't like smart goals. Russell, what is the area code for Hawaii? Oh, well, you just gave me the answer. It's 808, my brother. Yes. I know it has a, a special place in your heart and Hawaii is very magical. I, I, I really, I can't think of anyone that has traveled there that, that doesn't love it. I went to Hawaii in 2014, basically, you know, as everyone fall in love with it. And it crosses my mind as I'm sure it does with everyone. I want to live here one day. This would be a phenomenal place to live. Everything about it, the vibe, the sand, the sun, but I haven't been everywhere in the world. I've actually haven't even been that many places. If I can Think of where have I been that would be comparable, like as in hot, Australia, New Zealand, sure, I've been to Mexico, but that leaves a lot of places I haven't explored. They're not on my radar. 506 is the area code for Costa Rica. I've never been there, but why would I set a goal to, to live in Hawaii when I don't even, I could go to Costa Rica and I might just fall in love with the rainforest, right? It could be a better fit for me, but I don't know because I've never been there. There's a great quote by Chris Voss. Never be so sure of what you want that you wouldn't take something better. And this is not about numbers, right? I'm not, everyone's going to jump to money and say, oh, you want to make more money. It is not about the numbers. It is about the feeling behind it. So when I look at smart goals, that's why I say they're limiting fear-based, intellectual, outcome-based. Stupid goals would be transformational. They'd have a growth mindset. You'd be focusing on the feeling and they're identity-based. And I do want to dive into this outcome versus identity here a little bit more, especially this being a real estate crowd. In my opinion, the biggest mistake a real estate investor can make is setting a number of doors target. That would be an outcome goal. And it's an extremely common one that I hear floating around. There is a time and place for outcomes, but it's not here. And it's not now. I look at outcomes as more milestone markers. You know, you're sort of on the right track. When I look at real estate investors that set outcome goals, they will often go something like, when I have five doors, I'll be happy, right? When I have five doors, I'll quit my job. Something always follows it. When I have 10 doors, I'll be happy. And so they climb that mountain. They get up to the 10 door mark, right? They, they stand up with a big, I did it. And then it comes over them and they're like, holy shit, I don't feel any different. I'm not happy. And they'll look up and they'll say, ah, the 12 door mountain. Do you see it? It's right there. I can see it now that I'm standing on the 10 door mountain, the 12 door mountain. That's the one I should have climbed. So off we go to the 12 doors, then to the 15 doors. And you're constantly chasing outcomes, expecting them to give you something. And it never gives that to you. I see this in the vet world a lot too. Graduation day, big milestone. And you should be proud of these milestones. I'm not, I'm not trying to poo-poo on them. They are big achievements. But it's when that is the only focus and you get there and it does not and it will not deliver the feeling that you're expecting it to, right? There's no alignment there. So when you look at your identity, you know, it's what do you have a burning desire for? What is truly authentically you? And this makes me think back um, a little personal story here. I, 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 most people on this call, I think, know me. And if you see me, you know, I'm whatever, 5, 10, 150 or 60 pounds. I'm not a football player. When I was in high school, and I love football. Don't you? I love watching football. I love sports. Most of my friends were football players. And I thought, you know, that's what the cool kids are doing. That's what the popular kids are doing. But really, I'm a runner. I like running. I like getting outside. 
And I always wished I did cross country running, right? There was a cross country running club, but I never did it ever, not even once because I didn't want, I wanted to be in the popular crowd, right? So I ignored my identity, even coming into university, 20 some years old. If you've ever gone to a university gym on Monday, that is universal bench press day for all the bros. <laughs> so the bench presses are all lined up and everyone's pumping their chest. And that's what I would do. I'd set a health goal. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do bench press because that's what I want to do. No, suffer through that, right? Get no traction. Sure. Yeah. You make it for a couple of weeks because a few people push you and drag you along, but eventually it falls off. I had a huge transformation in my life. And it's actually very recently around running. And of all places, you know, I got inspired on Instagram. I always knew I wanted to run. I just never stepped into it. And I was on Instagram one day and I saw a guy just a random picture, no idea who the guy is, pushing his kids in a stroller. And he was a reasonably fit dad. Like he wasn't super buff, but he was just a fit guy. And I was like, that, that is what I want. I want to be the dad that can run by the river with my kids. I'm, I'm the dad that whenever Riley says, hey, I want to play. Yep. I'm not too tired for that. And that identity, you know, I went, I, I bought a pair of shoes and I said, I'm going for a 10 kilometer run. And I did, and it was winter time, and there was the, the the trails weren't even plowed yet. I still remember this. And I came home, and my feet were actually bleeding. And this isn't—I'm not even exaggerating. They were actually bleeding, but I loved it. And I was like, I finally gave myself permission to go into what I wanted to do. And I, I did. I do have an outcome placement. It is just a marker. It is not the goal to run a 10 kilometer in under 40 minutes. And I'm still tracking towards that. Last summer, I was 40 minutes, 21 seconds, I believe. But that's not the goal. That's just a, a target along the way. The goal is to be the dad that is always there for his kids. And January 1st, we went to the Sheraton here in town because it has the best water slides and Riley loves water sliding. And we're playing away in the pool. We're going up and down the water slide and we, we splash into the bottom pool. We're, we're not even out of the water yet. Let's go again, daddy. Let's go again. Up we go. Huge smile on her face. You know, eventually she's tiring out. Carry me, daddy. Carry me. So up three flights of stairs, carrying her back down the water slide, around and around. I have no idea. Lost total track of how many times. I'm, I'm thinking we went 40 or 45 times. Up over on the side, there's sort of a lounge area, a viewing area. You can see over the pools. You can see over the water slides. And it's licensed. They serve, they serve beer there. And when you look up, all the dads are up there drinking beer. And I'm down in the pool water sliding with Riley. And she almost broke me. Like I'm in really good shape currently. And I did not have much left in the tank. And so finally she says, hey, let's go have a drink of water. So we go and we sit down. And this grandmother comes up to me, says hi to Riley first. And then she says, I just want to say to you, you're a really great dad. And it was like that, <laughs> that basically made my year. That was on January 1st. And when I think about that, Miserable Mike would have been sitting up there drinking beer. Identity-based goal-setting Mike is in the pool with his daughter. And he has random strangers telling him he's a great dad. That's the difference in how you approach setting your goals. So notice the main thing there is you're focusing on the feeling. None of my running times matter. I really don't give a shit. Does not matter. That's not the point right? The point is what is driving all of that? Why are you doing it? Okay. The quality of your life will be determined by the quality of the questions that you ask. And when you set identity-based goals, it forces you to ask yourself a really good question. Who do I need to become? So when you rub Aladdin's lamp and you have some burning desire for your unique vision and something pops out of there, just ask yourself, who do I need to become to realize that? Right? It's a very powerful question. Russell, if I were to say to you, we'll put you on the spot again. This year, you're gonna, we're going we're gonna to challenge you to make an extra $2,500 this year. Whatever you made last year, you don't need to tell us, but we're going to challenge you to make $2,500 extra dollars in 2023. How hard would that be? Well, I'd like to get up to $2,500 in earned income for a year. So that'd be good. No, how hard that would be? Yeah, I don't want to say, but, um, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the 23 and a half hours of the day. <laughs> yeah. So there's really no noticeable change there. 
Russell would continue to be Russell as he is, right? You don't have to, there's no transformation. Basically just do what you do and maybe do a little bit more, you know, one more course or something, you'll get there. If I was to challenge you and say, okay, you're going to make 2.5 million more in 2023. Okay, well, now we've totally changed the game. Now you have to ask yourself completely different questions, right? All of the other options before, those are all cut off. There's probably only one, two paths that would get you there, right? So when you cast that burning desire, who do you need to become to achieve it? I'm going to throw a little math riddle at everyone here. So Emma, my made-up fictional character, gets off a plane in the airport. She's got a connecting flight, but she's running late for it. And her connecting flight is all the way across the airport. So she's doing kind of one of those races through the airport, kind of running, kind of speed walking. And I have my little uh, radar gun out and I clock her at five miles an hour. So she's walking as fast as she possibly can towing her suitcase. And she sees one of those airport sort of horizontal moving walkways. And she's like, okay, I got to speed up. I'm jumping on it. That walkway is going three miles an hour. How fast is Emma going? And at what time does she pass Yorkton and the person's coming from Winnipeg from the, from the other direction? Yeah. Uh, anyone, anyone want to chime in on that? Yeah. Jump in the chat box, gang. If you, if you, uh, if you know the answer. So one more time, give us, give us the, the variables again, Mike, I, I'm going to embarrass myself by taking a guess. So. But, well, the gist is she's walking five miles yep. an hour and the, the moving walkway is going three miles an hour. Okay. I'm going to say the obvious number is eight. That is the obvious number. There's a very, very important variable that I purposely left out. I never told you which way the walkway is moving. Oh, sneaky. She could be moving eight. She could be moving two. That's the environment you place yourself in. The environment sandwiched in between your vision, what you have a burning desire for, and tactics which we will get to in between those is your environment. And it will make or break your goals. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we jump back to the conclusion, our strategic partners from Streetwise Mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And today we are going to talk about promissory notes. Promissory notes is um, a financing tool that I hear about a lot within the real estate investment community. Uh, I'm not a big fan of promissory notes, but I do understand that there is a place for such type of money for both real estate investors as well as for lenders who are looking to earn a higher return. Today, I want to explain what a promissory note is and inform you as an investor uh, whether you're borrowing or lending money of the risks that come with this financing strategy. So let's talk about what a promissory note. A promissory note essentially is a loan uh, to a borrower that is unsecure. Uh, it is really about the promise to return the money. So the borrower signs a piece of paper that says that they are committed to returning this money back to you as a lender. And that piece of paper outlines the terms of the loan. So how long are you lending the money for? What are you charging in terms of fees? What are you charging in terms of interest? And in many cases, um, the borrower provides what's called a personal guarantee. That money is unsecured against a property, although in some cases it can be registered as a caution. It is not really protected the same way a private mortgage is protected. So for real estate investors, Promissory notes uh, really help in some cases. Some investors may need that type of money to supplement a shortage in funding. Let's say someone uh, ran, um, you know, a, a construction or a renovations project and things have taken longer than expected or cost more than expected. And there is no more room to get additional funding and they need to get that project to completion. Uh, that's where a maybe small room, a small loan to supplement the shortage can come in handy or a loan for a short term period can come in handy. Uh, let's say someone uh, needs to consolidate debts and there is again no room to get a secured mortgage. That's where a promissory note can help. So 
there is definitely a place for such type of money. And as a real estate investor, you'll uh, source it in smaller chunks, uh, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 maybe. So if you're looking for a larger loan, you'll have to source multiple promissory notes typically. I've seen this type of money uh, cost double digit, 17% uh, interest or more. Uh, it's also more expensive in terms of lender fees. Having said that, some real estate investors who have a great name on the street uh, and a great network of people can source that type of money more cheaply. The risk for you as a real estate investor, if you're using this type of money, is what I call over leverage. Not high leverage, but over leverage. What's over leverage? Well, over leverage is essentially chewing on more than you can handle. Because this type of money is not secured against a property. You can easily take on a lot and um, it can cause problems down the road. So you gotta be very, very careful of how much of this money you borrow. For the lenders who are looking to lend promissory notes, I get it, folks. I get that the returns are a lot more attractive than private money and uh, are lucrative, but you really need to understand what you're stepping into. You really need to understand the risk that you're taking. There is a reason to why this money is lucrative. It is because these loans are not secured. And as much as the borrower is providing you with a personal guarantee, that personal guarantee is as good as the assets that are disclosed and are accessible uh, for that personal guarantee to materialize. So let's talk about the worst case scenario, which is the borrower defaulting on your loan. Although the promissory note may be registered against a property as a caution, if the borrower default, well, guess who gets paid first? The private mortgage, uh, sorry, the first mortgage that is registered in first position will get paid first. The second mortgage, if there is equity, and then the third and fourth, if there is anything left. For promissory note holders, you will have to pursue legal action uh, through the court system to recoup your capital. Um, that's really how it would unfold if things go south. So if you're lending money to borrowers through an unsecured promissory note, it's great that you're making the high double-digit returns, but I want you to be aware of the risk and be prepared for the worst case situation. Always, always, whether you're a borrower or whether you are a lender, get independent legal advice and explore other financing options that are available to you before you pursue this path. My team and myself are always here to support you. If you're looking for options or second opinions when it comes to funding, always reach out to us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. And this is very often overlooked. Now, everyone has probably heard you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that's true. I do believe that. But we don't take the environment piece far enough, right? The environment and your environment is around you at all times, right? You are constantly creating the environment you are in and the environments you are in are constantly providing you with feedback, right? We have our internal environment. That would be our thoughts, our feelings, our external environment, everything around us. We can go macro, right? What country in the world do you live? We can go micro, right? What's your bedroom set up like? What's your kitchen set up like? Honestly, the, the thing that will have changed the most since you and I have spoke last, Russell, is I have become kind of maniacal about my environments, right? In all capacities, internal, external, micro, macro, right? And when you see people that are achieving just enormous things, they typically have cast a vision that is completely in alignment with their identity, and they have placed themselves in environments that support that, and even further than that, has no resistance, right? And I, I think we all intuitively know we need to be in environments that support us, but we're pretty slow to remove ourselves or alter environments that are causing resistance. A cool little little thing I stumbled across, the vacuum law of prosperity. Has anyone heard of that? No. Nope. Okay. The vacuum law of prosperity 
uh, simply states that no two things, no two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. And it also states that nature, the universe abhors a vacuum. So if there's an empty space, something will fill it. So said in really, really simple terms, this pen in my hand, I can't have something else in my hand until I let go of the pen. Now that I've let go of the pen, my phone can occupy my hands. A personal story on this, pretty much most of my life, I've wanted a king-size bed. And Rosalie and I moved in together a long time ago now, probably 10 years ago or so. And it was kind of the coming together of two two bedrooms as we move in together. So we have my queen-size bed, really high-quality bed. You know, some of her dresser, some of mine, some of her nightstand, some of mine just sort of mixed in together. But we always wanted a king-size bed. And we'd go to furniture stores and we'd look at some and be like, oh, that one's pretty cool, but we'd never pull the trigger on it. Eventually, Riley comes along. Now there's another person jumping in. We're getting kicked in the face. And it's like, now things are getting a little more urgent. We really should get a king-size bed. But we never do because we have a perfectly good queen-size bed sitting there, right? Why would we go and do that? Until one day, and you're going to be very proud of this next slide, Russell, because I finally, I'm officially a real estate investor. This picture is not from one of my rentals. This picture is from my master bedroom in late 2021. So bed bugs, horrifying, traumatic, not very much fun. Not sure where we picked them up, but nonetheless, there they were. For any Formula One fans or NASCAR fans, if you ever watched a pit stop where they change out the tires, they don't hold anything to the speed with which Rosalie and I emptied out our master bedroom. <laughs> with lightning, lightning speed, the mattress that we were so attached to is gone. It's on the front lawn. The bed frame, gone. Dressers, gone. Nightstands, gone. All the junk in the drawers that we never use, but we can't throw it out, gone. We, I even ripped out the baseboards. Everything. Completely empty room. Totally blank space. And guess what happens? Not very much longer. Later, king size bed appears, headboard, all the matching stuff. Our master bedroom is now much more in alignment with everything we want, right? And once the trauma subsided, because it was kind of traumatic, we were like, well, that was actually kind of fun. So we started having dates. We did, we did our sock drawer or our underwear drawer, and we'd call them vacuum law dates. You'd pick something and you would vacuum law. So what does that mean? It means you throw all of the stuff out that is not a hell yes way before you have any idea what's going to replace it, right? So this is pretty easy to do with your sock drawer. There is, there's no situation in the world that calls for socks with holes in them. So it's a good place to start. But what happens when we crank up the dial on that? and go to things that are more serious. When we go to relationships, right? Long-standing relationships that maybe it's time to let go of them. You know, maybe they're not really serving you. Maybe, th maybe they were in full alignment with who you were 25 years ago, but they're certainly not aligned with who you are now. And they're definitely not aligned with who you want to be in the future. Right? And my experience has been most people do this backwards. They will not let go of something until they already have secured its replacement. And the vacuum law of prosperity says you do it the opposite. You create the space, better things will fill them in. So I know that gets heavy when you apply it to big things, but I definitely would encourage everyone to give that a try. So moving into tactics. Hang, hang on. Yeah. Honestly, I kind of... Hang on a second. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Take a... Do you need a drink? <laughs> I need a drink, my friend. No, man, I run a po I run a podcast. I'm used to this. Okay, no, I just I just wanted to just make sure because because honest honest to God, my friend, you're you know holy crap, you're 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 gonna start this place on fire here, my friend, and you know when that happens, bombs starts going off, right? So, and I'm not trying to interrupt your flow, but holy moly, when did you get so good at doing this kind of stuff? By the way, my friend. Yeah. Well. I think our podcast has been running over two years now. Yep. So a lot of time behind the mic. And I honestly, this, this topic, this, I just get so fired up about it because, you know, I spent a, a good amount of my life not living very intentionally and it's not very much fun. And so, so anyone that I can inspire to, to do differently, I'm very happy to do that. So really it, it was born from uh, a 
burning desire to scratch your own itch. And lo and behold, over, you know, course of many, 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 many years of being a a practitioner about this, to put together something like this as a presentation didn't take that. It took some anxiety and some stress and all those kind of fun things, but it didn't take a lot of effort really to do. It's just literally just, you're just sharing what you do on, on a continual basis all the time, right? It's funny you say that I, um, I keep a ton of voice memos to myself. And so I always knew I was going to do something like this. And so when you said, Hey, can you do a presentation? I literally just went through my phone, re-listened to all the voice memos I've left myself over the last like year and just put them in order. Yep. So like this, this is what I think about when I'm alone in my car driving and it's like, where, where can we fine tune these things? Oh, you're, you're a fun guy between, between, uh, you know, vacuum dates or, va- or vacuum cleaning dates. And then uh, thinking about setting goals in your car when you're by yourself, you're, you must be just a ride at a party, my friend. I mean, I, I, I know this, there's, there's heavy sarcasm there and I get it. It, it is a little intense, but the more time when you spend time on this, it opens up way more time in return. Yeah. Like I have, I have so much more time to go water sliding with Riley because I take care of all of this. Yeah. So it's like a little bit of effort in tons of output. Well, I love that. It would really gang. So if you do have an opportunity with your chat box open, by all means, jump in there, type in some feedback here. That's just absolutely golden. That one key thing you talked about identity versus outcome is huge. Like it's very... <laughs> I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm a little upset, Mike, right now. You're, you're actually making me rethink my entire goal setting process of my coaching program that I do with the coaching people is, is I probably need, most of us probably need to build in a little more identity goals, who we become goals, as opposed to just being, um, doing goals, right? We're, we're human beings. We're not human doings all the time. Right. So, so it's just 100%. This is just fantastic. Just, just as an FYI. And I like hearing that. I like hearing that I'm pushing buttons in a good way and challenging some thought because I've tried it. I've tried all the outcome yep. goals. Yep. They're, it's very challenging to stick with for any length of time. Because Well, you know, here's so. the thing is they're, they're not as, you know, I, I get it. They're, it's wonderful. And it's, you have to be extremely um, disciplined to be able to just only focus on outcome goals and stuff like that. Because there's literally, you're like a robot. There's no feeling involved. It's just like, I will accomplish this goal. It is, I will need to run 300 kilometers this year. Like, you're not, there's no feeling involved in any of that kind of stuff. But yeah. if you put it into some identities, I, I will be, it's the old classic cliche is if you want to quit smoking, you know, you're, you're not quitting smoking. You become a non-smoker, right? It's an identity. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, my friend. Keep yeah. going. Keep going. Are we still good for time if I no. keep rolling or where are we? Yeah. Keep going. I'm, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I'm sure getting a lot out of this. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't, I don't have much more left. We're on to tactics. I'm smirking. Okay. And it's funny because I know you haven't seen this slideshow because I, my VA literally just sent it to me not long ago. So yep. it's funny you mentioned smoking because we'll get there. So tactics. So we've, we've set our vision. We have a burning desire for it. It's uniquely ours. We know that we need to create an environment that is in alignment with that, that supports it, that has minimal to no resistance. But we do have to get onto the tactics. I mean, the tactics, as I said earlier, this is where the rubber meets the road with no action. Your vision is just a wish. So another, another question for the crowd. Can anyone tell me which of those runners has the goal to win this race? All of them. They do all. Yeah. Winners and losers have the same goals. Everyone wants to rub Aladdin's lamp and have something pop out. Everyone. I, I can't imagine there would be anyone in the world if you said, rub this lamp and you can have whatever you want. Everyone will rub it and everyone will want something. The difference, very few people will do it. And I, there is stats and I don't want to, this isn't meant to be a staty presentation. It's like astronomically shocking where it's like, 85% of people don't set goals and like only 3% of them take action or something like that. So for those of you listening and you've made it this far into tactics, you are in such a small percentage of the general population. You are already miles ahead. So now if you continue to implement, I mean, the sky's the limit. 
Tactic number one, do the work. Not super sexy and a lovely battery. If anyone is noticing, that battery is actually up over my shoulder. It sits on that shelf. It's been there for several years. That's an environmental cue to myself. And if you look closely at a battery, it will have a positive pole and it will have a negative pole. And basically what that represents is for a battery to operate, energy has to flow through it. On one pole, positive, you need positive application. You, ha- you actually have to do the work. All of the visualization we've talked about, all of the stuff that we want, we have to have positive application and do the right work to start realizing it. But on the other hand, we also have to be receptive. We need to remove all resistance. Right when I when I make a a, a call to uh, an apartment building owner and ask them if they'd be interested in selling, and they tell me to get bent and slam the phone in my face, if my attitude goes to one of like, oh well that didn't work, I guess I'm not cut out for this, I better stop. My my receptivity just went positive, so now I have a positive positive battery. No energy flows through that. Right, we need to be very positive on our work. And we need to have complete lack of resistance to the outcome. And I mean, I'm saying that like I've accomplished that, that will ebb and flow. The goal is to just try get yourself in that state as much as you can. Tactic number two, decide. Decisions, if environment is one of the most overlooked things, decisions are also one of the most overlooked things. Decisions dictate your life, right? Everyone that's on this call right now, everyone that's listening to this, every decision you've made up till this point in your life has led you to this moment. And if we have a 10-year reunion on this call, every decision you make between now and those 10 years will get you where you are, right? So it is completely up to you. You are in complete control. You get to make the decisions, right? So why do we want that unrealistic vision? Again, it forces better questions and it forces us to make better decisions. So going back to Russell's 2,500 versus $2.5 million example, $2,500, he could choose A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Doesn't matter what he chooses. They're all going to get him there. It's really like, it's not even that big of a goal. He can do anything and get there. If he sets that unrealistic goal, one of those options might get him there. And that's it. You have to make very good decisions. Russell, I need you to pick one of these. You're going you're gonna to influence the trajectory of our presentation here. Oh, I, I can't, Mike. Um, how about Z? No. Oh, come pick on. Three. Um, A, well, B, or C? Well, naturally, most people will pick the one in the middle, so I'm going to pick C. Okay, <laughs> C. Good choice. So everyone can agree that by Russell picking C, he has chose C. There's, there's nothing new there. <laughs> The most powerful part of that decision is that you did not choose A or B, right? Very few people look at the other side of a decision. Now, this, this is this stuff you can't make up. This is pretty funny. So I got these slides this morning and I was ripping through them and I, I just look at a slide and I think, okay, I need a talking point for it. And so in this slide, my talking point was going to be, if you're a real estate investor and you are scaling your portfolio... And you have decided that the Edmonton market, single family homes where you can add a secondary suite is your niche, right? That's what you've decided. You chose option C. What you've also done is you have decided what is not your niche. So when you get a phone call from someone that has a condo in Red Deer that says, I have a great fix and flip opportunity, what are you going to say? You've already made the decision. You say no. But most people, this is where, where things fall off the rails is they start chasing it. The reason I'm laughing is I, my number one priority today was to finalize my pro forma on our Fort Saskatchewan 18-unit building. That's my number one priority. That's the niche in real estate that I'm swimming in. And like three hours ago, I got a text about a West Side Saskatoon condo fix and flip. And I was, I was literally howling laughing because it's like, I'm about to give a presentation on what you should say no to. And it's like, well, that's an easy one. That's a no. Uh, Brilliant. Brilliant. So two big questions for you. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to give up? Right? Pretty obvious when we have these big goals, everyone will focus on what they're willing to do. 
not a lot of people give up enough time, in my opinion, to what are you willing to, to give up, right? That's probably the more important question. You will be saying no far more than you say yes, right? When you go after unrealistic, ridiculous goals, you need to be laser focused. You can't have more than, you know, one to three priorities. You will actually be doing less, right? So it's funny when you said when we were kind of bantering between there, really fun at a party, all this stuff frees up time to go water sliding because that's one of my one to three priorities. Daily, tactic number four. These things need to occur on a daily basis, right? We're going to do the work. We're going to decide. We're actually going to do less. We're going to say no more. We're going to do that on a daily basis. Deciding on our course of action, what is your one thing? You are now allowed to set a SMART goal. So I kind of ripped on those a little bit earlier. On a daily basis, SMART goals are encouraged, right? By the end of today, I will insert your number one priority that drives you towards your vision. Desire. So you guys can't see this. This, If I look up, that's on my wall behind my camera. So that is some, some lovely artwork from Riley. It's going to get hard. There's going to be days that suck. You, that is when you need to revisit that burning desire. And that will spark the feeling, right? I just have to look at that and I smile and I think about all of the reasons I'm doing, all the stuff that I'm doing, right? Cues and reminders of that everywhere. Again, that's the feeling. That drives me a lot more than a checklist that says, hey, go do that. Now, it's funny because I do have checklists too, but that is the linchpin, the things that drive your desire. Now, I, I see she has your, your gift of, of, of the arts and the creativity. Oh, yes. Actually, she really does love, uh, I do. love crafting. And it's, she, she put me to task one time. She asked me who my favorite Paw Patrol pup was that I just said out of nowhere rubble so now i get pictures of rubble go all go, go back to that picture for a second it's funny and i was just having a conversation with with um somebody the other day and and we were you know we were looking at some art and stuff like that and i said seriously like what what separates this art that's in this museum that everybody knows from somebody who's like four years old doing the, those pieces of art up there right like they're they almost look the yeah. same to be honest and really what it comes down to is it comes down to the meaning, right? It comes down to the meaning of the person that's uh, holding on to it. And, and Mike, right now, this gallery that you have of this art, you're the only, you and Rosalie are the only curators of this gallery. You need to get it out more, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think there's some behind me in that, but I got a lot of artwork. Nice. For sure. Nice. Continue. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you there, my friend. Oh, no worries. All good. Tactic number six, dopamine distractions. These are everywhere. Everyone wants a piece of your attention. Companies have figured out how to best tap into that, right? Everything is designed to make you forget your vision, take the immediate gratification, right? Scroll a little bit longer, get a few more likes on your post. I don't know how many Instagram likes I would need to get to outweigh the regret I would feel if I'm one of those persons that dies regretting not living my life. I don't imagine there's enough Instagram likes in the world to Ouch. outweigh that. Oh, Ooh, that was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. Oh, no shit. I'm talking <laughs> to myself here. Yeah. I'm talking to myself. Um, and I mean, I get it. You gotta, it, there's nothing wrong with being engaged in social media. I'm, I'm not, I'm not anti-social media, right? I'm on social media. I engage with people. We just got to stay realistic around this. Yeah. Right. Well, I can almost guarantee that, um, what would mean more to you would be those running up and down the stairs at the water slide, as opposed to getting a next Monday with Mike video out and stressing over the, the video that you're supposed to be putting out on Monday. You would much rather be sore as all get up and, and tired on Monday because you were running up and down stairs all day long at a water slide there, my friend. Yeah. See, it's funny. It's funny that you bring that up because I've had fits and starts with my own versions of social media branding because it's just never aligned really, right? And I'm slowly circling in on what that might look like, what, what fits my identity and would be in alignment, yep. right? And that's why until it's aligned, it's not going to stick. Well, here's the thing, Mike, and I'm just telling you this. Every time we talk, I tell you to do this more, don't I? I encourage you to 
help more people. And not, not that you don't help people. I encourage you to put it out there in a bigger way. You know, maybe become a coach to help inspire people. Maybe put things out more on social media. Where, and, and the only reason I do it is because I see how damn good you are. Like you're, you, the only person that probably doesn't believe how amazing you're at doing this stuff is yourself in many respects. Um, I just see that you have this gift and you have this God-given gift and talent. And honest to goodness, you need to share it more. You're, you're being selfish by keeping this under wraps of what you know and how good you are at this. Like you, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to blow sunshine up your, you know, you know what here. You are just really good. And that comes from somebody who's been doing this for 20 years. Like you're good at this, by the way. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Well, it comes from the heart. You know that, brother. Oh, look at that. How's that for a segue? It comes from the heart. Yeah. <laughs> Tactic seven. Dividers. This is one I use. Um, I, I was laughing at the checklist, but I do still have checklists. This is, this is real time. This is my, my training regimen. I honestly, I was thinking back, I don't know what happened last week, but I did miss three in a row, which is pretty rare for me, but I wanted to share that. And the reason I think it's so important that you have these dividers and these frequent resets is things just aren't all, they're not going to go perfect. They're not meant to go perfect. And I see a lot of times people will set goals and they'll set these outcome goals. And that's, that's good to, to, to have something, but they'll set it in such a way, you know, I'm, I'm going to work out every day in 2023. It's like, well, that's not going to happen. And then they miss one day and guess what happens? They write off the rest of the year, right? Or maybe it's like, I'm going to work out every day in January, but January 16th, they miss a workout. So that, oh, we'll just pack it in for the rest of January. We'll start again in February. So give yourself, this has been really helpful for me these frequent resets. So depending on what I'm working on, the, the reset time will be different. But for my training, it is weekly. So, you know, you have a bad week, you fall off, no worries. Gather your composure, get back on it, yeah. right? Because it's that time, like what I'm finding, the more I'm studying people that are really, you know, transforming their life, everyone gets knocked down. Everyone. They just get up faster. They just don't stay down for very long. Yeah. That's the key difference. Now, um, quick here, I'm going to just oh, pop back here in a second. I um, quick story, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but I chuckled when you, you mentioned that um, I set a goal at the beginning or towards the end of last year when I went through my process of doing this. And I wanted to be, I want to get out and do more social media. I want to put more posts out. I want to be more engaging. I believe I also have a, get, something to share with people. And I sat there and I wrote down this goal. I even put it in my outlook of every day. I called it social media 365. I'm going to do 365 posts in the upcoming year. And then all of a sudden, January 1st comes nothing. January 2nd comes nothing. January 3rd comes nothing. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, and I almost just completely threw it out, right? Because I go, well, I've missed three days already, you know? So then I revisited and I said, okay, I'm going to change it. It's going to be 300. I'm committing to doing 300 posts in the in, over a course of the next year. And I've broke it down into months. I've set file folders up on my computer for each month. I've got 14 of them already recorded in the can. I've published two, but I want to get two weeks ahead of myself, right? And I'm having some fun with that. But I, the reason I chuckled is we're all in the same boat together. It's, it truly is human nature as well. I missed one or two. I'll just throw it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, in, a, in, a ways is, in a ways, we got to be gentle on ourselves. So. Those are, those are some of my tactics, you know, and, and, and really if you apply all this, like it, it, you can't, you can't lose, right? If you have a vision with a burning desire, you align your environment, you remove the resistance, you do the work, you make strong decisions. You're saying no to lots of stuff. So you're doing less, do it on a daily basis. When you get knocked down, you read, revisit your desire, minimize distractions, have frequent resets. It's inevitable that you will hit your goal. You, you may miss on the timeline, right? You may say, okay, I want this in three years. It might take five, whatever. You'll get there. So that, that's kind of the, the magic of bringing tactics. I had to include this guy, which is why I was laughing when you were talking about smoking, Russell. So no shade to Ben. I, this picture always makes me laugh and it's such a good thing with goal setting. So you can just see in that picture, you can see the feeling. Like I can almost feel like I'm standing there. I don't smoke, but I can imagine what it might be like for him sitting there smoking that cigarette. And sure, this is a bad habit. Yes. 
But I wanted to spend just one slide on language, right? That, that smoking there is giving him a feeling. And we will all label that as a bad habit. But what it really is, is that's his standard, right? That's the standard he accepts for his life. Sure, yeah, it's a habit. But for him, it's a standard. That's just what he does. When we look at his environment, he's got a smoke in his hand. We can almost infer he's probably never without a pack of smokes and a lighter or a match. If we were at his house or in his car, there's going to be cigarettes around. He'll never let himself run out. There'll always be more. There'll always be backup surrounding him, right? And then the word want. So I know in the vision side of things, I use the word want a lot. And it's good when you're brainstorming and dreaming. But that language eventually has to flip. It has to flip to commit, right? This guy probably wants to be healthy, but he's not committed to it, right? Everyone wants it. Just again, rub the Aladdin's lamp. Everyone wants to do that. But how many people are committed to that, right? Do you think this guy has a checklist where he's like, oh, I've only had four cigarettes today. I got to go get that fifth one in. No, there's no checklist in his world, right? He's not doing, he's being, he's being a smoker. So even though this is a negative Example in a lot of ways, he's locked in. He's completely locked in. That is fully his identity, right? Being versus doing. And that that would be the transformational level. Love to say, oh, I'm there. No, that's a work in progress. It's not, even though number one tactic is do the work, ultimately what we're aiming for is you just want to be being. You just want it flowing through you like that battery. That is just your standard. That's how you commit to showing up. It's just you right? I don't go for runs. I'm a runner. So something to think about. Language is very powerful. How you speak to yourself internally, the words you speak externally, what you allow others to speak about you, very powerful. All right. So what did you think of today's episode? Did you potentially like when I listened to this and I heard this, when Mike presented this uh, back in, you know, it was over just, it was run, right around a year ago now. It was actually in January of 2023. It was delivered to an exclusive group of inner circle clients. Um, inner circle clients get the, the, get the information first and then, you know, maybe a year a bit later, if, if I do release it to the public. Um, it's at least a year before that gets released to the public, but this inner circle clients, um, the core court coaching group got this information in advance. And, and it was just, it was, it was a different perspective. I, I really enjoyed it. I really do. Michael, you are truly a treasure in this community and you have, you have, uh, so many gifts that, uh, you know, we need to lean into them and you need to share them more often. Uh, but it was a nice, refreshing way of taking a different approach at goal setting. All right. So um, one one final thing as we head into 2024. Sorry, two final things. Number one is I wanted to just like I did at the beginning is I wanted to thank you. Thank you for your time and energy. I also want to thank you for a lot of the feedback that received um, over the past um month as well. During the Christmas break, I shared, um, you know, maybe the greatest hits of or four episodes that were very touching and very impactful and very meaningful. And I offered them to you as Christmas gifts. So I had lots of people reach out with some feedback on that. And I just wanted to thank you. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, as the previous four episodes before this were um, remastered replays of some of the top um, episodes over the past um, three coming on four years here. And um, they were deep dives into um, some really impactful and powerful episodes that you will thoroughly enjoy. So if you're interested in checking those out, just go check out the last four episodes before this and you'll get all the details there. And then the last thing I want to share with you is if you've decided that 2024 is your year. If you decided that this is the year that you want to fully hit it head on, if you've decided that you want to go for the brass ring, that you want to make this a go, you, you know, you're tired of being tired, you're tired of mediocrity, and you want to excel to the next level. I do have some capacity to take on new coaching clients. Now, be forewarned, um, if you are going to work with myself, this is not a simple, you know, sit back and listen and passive 
it is full on roll up your sleeve, diving both feet into the deep end, and you're going to go hardcore. You really are. It's a lot of work. So if you're interested in taking things up to the next level, if you're even producing an incredible result and you know there is more in the tank that you can create, I can help you. I truly can. And um, like I said, I have a couple spaces available. Usually each January, I do open up a couple more spots for new coaching clients to, to just dive in head first. If you're interested in really scaling, growing, and even if you're interested in just starting and you just need that help, you need that accountability, you need somebody to report to, you need something that you're just missing. You just need to know where to start. You need to know what is the next step. If that sounds like you and you're ready to take 2024 by the horns, you know, to take the bull by the horns and you're ready to just fully go for it, let me know. Right? When in the notes where you're listening to below in the podcast, just to be lots of links there. But the easiest way would be just reach out to me with an email note. Just send a note to hello at russellwescott.com. And I'll walk you through the process and see if this is a fit. You know, it's no, no obligation. Um, I will have a very clear, direct conversation to see if this works for you and see it's a fit for you. But most people, when they do come to me and we have a conversation, they already know this is going to work for them. They already know this is the step that's right. So if you know this is the step that's right, I'm here to help. All right, gang. And with all that being said, we're going to end uh, this episode off like the ones we've ended uh, all 183 episodes before. Remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.